Season 3 of the award-winning Folk on the Free Podcast. I'm the Folk and Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRLP. And join me, as always, is the award-winning League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty good, award-winning co-host. Um, it's been a while since our last uh, podcast, but we've been saving up because there's a big season ahead, and we've got lots to talk about. And basically, I feel like this is almost the kickoff to the season for us, hey? It is, it is. And uh, look, I, I need to start with a personal question. Yes. Have you been training the house down? I have, no. You know what? I've been Joey Lay luring it. I've uh, been running, I've been, well, not running around. <laughs> just running your mouth. <laughs> just Yeah, just, I've been sort of dawdling around saying that everyone says I'm a poor trainer and people were slurring me trying to drive my value down and I, well, I didn't well, even the bucket know. of KFC. Hey, did you see that he signed with Featherstone? He didn't even know they weren't in Super League. Yeah. yeah. That was brilliant. <laughs> That's classic, Joey. Yeah. That was probably someone else's fault too, though, hey? Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have been his, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a conspiracy. Yeah, everything's a big conspiracy. Everyone's trying to work against Joey Leilua. Just yeah. ask him. That's right. He'll tell you. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't been training the house down, that means you're not as good as Luke Brooks. Because he's been training the house down, mate. He's been destroying buildings like you couldn't believe. Uh, it's about time. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if he can play some good football, actually. Finally. Right. So I think last year when he was unleashed, I think the chain was still a little bit entangled around his foot. I, yeah. I believe with the house falling down around him, it <laughs> may have destroyed the entanglement that his foot was stuck in. And we might actually see him being completely unleashed and unencumbered by buildings, which you could be remember, great. you got to remember it's a new era at the West Tigers this year. A new era again. Mm, That's again, what I'm going to call yeah. it. The new era again. And every time they're going to tweet new era, I'm going to retweet it with a hashtag new era again. Yeah, that that's a good idea. Um, I had, saw a tweet this week and it was from the Rugby League World Cup account, Rugby League 2021 World Cup account, which makes sense. I mean, why would you change it to 2022? It was a great and World Cup last year. Fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, the, and it said Rugby League World Cup is more than 61 games next year. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, thanks to the creative by program or the created by program, sorry, the Farnley Falcons will be able to upgrade their changing rooms, social and kitchen spaces to support the club's growth beyond the final whistle of the 2021 World Cup. Now, they it, accompan- it was accompanied with a video and I watched this video and I started getting sad watching it because it sees people that are saying, look, we run this club. We haven't had any money. We've moved from place to place. We haven't really had any sort of facilities at all to work with. It looks like they've got basic facilities like change rooms and that, and they're almost playing in like just a paddock. You know, it's it's not really set up too well. And they're getting money from the, from, you know, the grants that come out of the World Cup. And so I tweeted something. I said, it is very sad to me that it has taken grant money from a one-off event to get this club money to meet their needs. This is funding the Rugby Football League should be providing clubs. Seems reasonable, right? I fully agree with that. Yeah. You know, how can how can you argue with that? The club itself responded. Ooh. Appreciate the sentiment, but maybe if International Rugby League was given a better, bigger priority, the governing body would be in a position to support grassroots clubs more readily. 
Someone's been drinking the Kool-Aid. I know. So the Farnley Falcons, the reason that they don't have any money. It's because Tonga's not playing Wales in in New Zealand. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Spot on. I was going to say too, when you were were going through what you saw in the video, I was going to ask you, did you say Farnley Falcons or West Tigers? (laughs) (laughs) They have very similar plights, and my guess is for very similar reasons. (laughs) But anyway... I thought that that was utterly fucking ridiculous. So I said, rugby league in England has been run like garbage for a lifetime. This is the fault of rugby league in England. The sooner personal responsibility kicks in over there, the better. Enjoy the money. Yeah. Because, I mean, can you imagine if there was a football club in Dubbo, right, that didn't have good facilities and they get a grant and someone says, Oh, it's, you know, that should be the NRL doing that, giving them that grant. And they turn around and say, well, you know what? It's because of International Rugby League not being played that Dubbo doesn't have better facilities. You would say, shut the fuck up, you idiots. Yes. And I really wanted to say that, but I'm trying to be a better person, you know? That, that's your that's your vow for 2022? Yeah, that's my vow. I'm not going to be such a uh, cunt. <laughs> um, have you given yourself a timeline as to when you would plan to break that vow uh well it's 21 past 11 now (laughs) (laughs) the day is still young yeah we'll see if i can get to the start of the year i just thought it was fucking ridiculous a fucking ridiculous thing today you you know it's it's you can't they it's just there's always someone else to blame i mean wouldn't this just be an extension of the attitude that comes from all english clubs do you reckon They've got, this, they've got this impression that it's not the RFL's job to help look after clubs. For some reason, it's the rest of the world's result, uh, responsibility. Look, I think that there's, on some level, there is that. You know, it's um, there's a lot of selfishness in English rugby league. It's really weird. And the instead of, like, I don't understand how everyone isn't furious at the Rugby Football League and Super League because they've been absolutely terrible at their jobs. And Super League has been terrible since it kicked in. And the Rugby Football League has been terrible for, like I said, a lifetime. And to have a like a club at the, the absolute lowest level of the game, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, it's just this is a junior club, you know? Yeah. To have them turn around and say, well, it's because there's, you know, we don't take international football seriously is why we don't have money from the rugby football league. It's like, are you people fucking serious? Do you have any concept of how this is even supposed to work? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's almost like, um, it's almost like they believe in trickle down theory. Yeah. I, I don't understand the, the mindset that is behind it, but I hope they enjoy the money. I hope that they now get the facilities to sell coffee and tea and pies and sausage rolls and whatever the fuck they're going to sell there. And hopefully when the World Cup is next in England, probably in fucking eight years' time at this stage, Three. Um, I hope they can squeeze <laughs> some more money out of the fucking turnip. They'll find a way to take it off France yet. You yeah. watch. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm so fucking over some of those attitudes, eh? Hey? Fair enough, too. So um, we'll move on to uh, what else has been going on in the world of rugby league? Not much else. Um, it's been pretty quiet outside. Do you, know, of that. do you know how quiet it's been? How quiet? It's been so quiet that some rich tennis player got more airtime 
in the sports columns than rugby league has in the last two months. Really? Yeah. Which one? Ah, uh, some bloke. Did you see that got, there was got a deported? There was a I hear him. Uh, did you see there was a a guy? I think his name was Medvedev, who was calling the chair umpire a small cat. A small cat. Yeah, because wow. you can't you can't call someone a pussy anymore. Did you know that? Okay. Yeah, so you, you like, and I would never call somebody a pussy anymore. But he obviously was trying to get around that. I see. He called him a small cat. Yeah, yeah. Which I, like, I think if you own a small cat. Well, like, what what about if you are a small cat? Isn't, isn't that a slur? Well, I was going to say, if you call someone a small cat, aren't you just calling them a kitten? And I mean, that's not really a slur anyway. I mean, kittens are, for the most part, most people tend to think kittens are being pretty cute. They are pretty adorable. I see. I, I, so, it's not, so it's not really a slur then. He's just hitting on the chair umpire. And I don't know if that's appropriate behavior on the tennis court, no. is it? No, it's definitely not. Keep that for the bedroom, mate. No. Um, but that was it, really. There was uh, the only other thing I've really taken note of is that there was a lower grade rugby league player who said that uh, it's pretty, and this is in the UK that was saying that um, everyone knows that drugs are rife in rugby league. Um, I'll give you three guesses as to his circumstances in saying that. Uh, off contract, championship grade player, old? No. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I, I was thinking, obviously, it's somebody that's been pinged for doing drugs. That's what they do. You oh, know? right, yeah. Well, Every, everyone's doing it, you know. So I, I saw that. I didn't know he's. I didn't know the name of the bloke, you know. But uh, I, I thought that. I would be surprised that if I got those other three right, though. <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> if he was in Australia, he'd be talking about he wants to give his message to the children to make sure they don't follow his example. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's that's been a really quiet off season, and should, I think it's been a good thing to be honest with you. We should catch up with that um, dumb prick who wrote the article about. Uh, Craig Field just got a weekly update on how Craig Field's going, teaching young kids not to be cunts. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we doing in today's episode, Andrew? Wow, there was a bit of a call on online today. Mm-hmm. Um, call slash demand. Yeah, Sandy. Sandy. Sandy got all up in our business. Yeah, I mean, she's abusing us. I've got some of the the abuse she hurled at you, mate. Made <laughs> made my eyes water. The language. The language. The I've never language. seen anything like it before. Yeah. It made us look saintly. It really did. <laughs> but, um, hell, she motiv- motivated us into getting a podcast done. So, yeah, thanks for that, Sandy. I'll be honest, she scared the shit out of me. Oh, likewise. <laughs> that, that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, she was, was a 2022 preview. Mm-hmm. And we thought... Let's do something, because everyone else is going to do a preview, let's be honest. Yeah. And they're all going to be kind of the same. So we thought, let's do half a preview. Yeah, let's just give a little taste. A half preview. Yeah. See? This is this is like the uh, equivalent of 2022 NRL season preview, just the tip. That's right, yeah. Just the end of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to look at the halves combination. For each team and kind of talk about their chances, I suppose, and how they might function and, you know, whether they're going to be a success or not. Yeah. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a really good plan to me. And shall we go in alphabetical order? 
Yeah, let's go alphabetically. Yeah. I mean, that leaves the best till last. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we'll start with the Brisbane Broncos. And it looks like they're going to have um, Adam Reynolds will be definitely the halfback. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be be- between Albert Kelly and Tyson Gamble for 5-8, I'd assume. I would probably go with Tyson Gamble. Hey, I like... I'd... I much prefer Gamble. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they go with Kelly early on purely for the experience. Yeah. I think there's a lot of young players in that side. Um, and you've got, you're likely to have Tessie Newey and, and Jake Turpin, both very young players um, at fullback and hooker. So you, I can I can see a desire to have two experienced players alongside two youngsters in the spine. But, mm. yeah, I think Gamble is a is a better, better option, to, attack-wise especially, um, yeah. for the Broncos. He's very much a, he's a really good competitor. He really gets involved in everything. Like he's one of those. He reminds me, not Josh Reynolds. Quite, hey, Josh Reynolds type. I was gonna, I was gonna say Steve Carter. In yeah, terms of, very very similar. Yeah. Yeah, he's always just in the opposition's face. He's always involved in something, and I think he will be a really good offsider from Adam Reynolds. With Adam Reynolds controlling the play, the general kicking game and stuff like that. Um, I think they're just going to be a really good combination. I really think that the Broncos, I think they're going to make the finals this year, hey? Yeah, look, I, I don't think they'll make the finals, but I reckon they're going to be very close. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason why I don't think they're going to make the finals is I don't think they've got very very much in regards to depth anywhere. Um, so yeah, I think I, if one or two injuries, and they're, they're going to be looking at bringing in more more youngsters Largely untried. Um, So, and you think they've got Ryan James, who's probably going to come into the side as one of the starting 17, and he's not played much footy in the last several years. No, no. I think Um, that the thing about the Broncos is their depth in the the outside backs, especially, is really thin. And you get someone like Tony Staggs, if he has another season where he's in and out of the lineup, that's going to be really bad for the Broncos. But, like, I like their forward pack. And their halves are going to be very good, um, it, I, but I do. I think that they're going to be. I think they're going to be a finals team. Uh, and Kevin Walters got them moving in the right direction last year, which was going to be a massive battle in its own right. So yeah, I, I think there's good things coming ahead for the Broncos. Finally. Oh, they're definitely moving in the right direction. There's no doubt about that. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think. The acquisition of Reynolds is probably one of the best signings the Broncos have made in many, many years. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Raiders. Jack Whiten and Jamal Fogarty. Man, I mean, if Whiten plays like he did last year, does it really matter? Well, he's, I'm going to put to you a theory. I think the way Whiten played last year was trying to cover some shortcomings in George Williams's game. Mm-hmm. And that's not what Whiten does. He's he's not that sort of a player. Yeah. He's your ball running, you know, link sort of player with a good good enough sort of short kicking game. Um, kind of like when Wade Graham was five eighth. You know, yeah, he's, he's not a genuine playmaker, but yeah. he runs hard. He runs fucking amazing lines and has a good enough short passing game and short kicking game to get by as a six. And I think too much of last season he was trying to do too much of the general playmaking stuff as well, and he just he got caught out badly trying to do that. Having yeah, Fogarty there, he's a very good seven. I think he takes all that pressure off him. Yeah, he's, and he's very experienced too. He's one of those uh, 
low-grade veteran players, Fogarty. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Williams last year, I mean, he had no playmaking at all. There was no playmaking whatsoever in him. So I can see that point of view. Look, it would be hard for White to have a season as bad as he had last year. So you'd think that he'd turn it around. But, I mean, they're experienced, that's for sure. And, you know, I, I don't think that they're a premiership-winning halves combination, but they're a pretty solid one. Yeah, I can't see them doing worse than last year. Yeah. Um, they've got a pretty, pretty solid um, lineup, like st- starting seventeen. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think they'll be too bad. Just injuries, injuries could hurt them a bit. They they got hurt pretty badly last year by them. Um, the other thing too is Ricky Stewart needs to get his side to play as much as he may not like him to play better with these new rules. Because last year he kind of it was almost like he was rebelling against the rules and being constantly smashed out of the game just, you know, because of it. Um, I consider the Canberra Raiders to be the NPCs of the NRL. So you know how you're playing a, a video game and you come across an NPC? Yeah. And, like, they're part of a side quest. They, they'll interact with you and stuff like that, but... When you finish the game, the NPC ain't the star of the show. <laughs> That's Canberra, true. The Canberra Raiders are just an NPC. <laughs> That's all they are. Yeah, they're a side quest. <laughs> it's just an add-on. Pretty much, yeah. Um, onto the Bulldogs. It's looking like their house combination is going to be Matt Burton and Jake Avarillo. Mm. Um. Burton was looking like he was an out-and-out six until last year when he became a genuine centre. Yeah. And I don't know. It's almost like he's halfway between a genuine half Mm -hmm. and what Jack Whiten became. He's sort of this halfway area between the two. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too bad of a thing, though. Uh, A a good running um, 5'8". Around what they've got is a very good pack. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think you'll probably have a pretty good season there. Does Avarillo give him enough help though? That's that's the only thing. I, yeah, I don't think Avarillo is bad. I just think he's maybe he's probably about a season or two away from um, you know looking like he can control a team really well. I don't think he's that far away, but he's getting close. His problem is he is part of a, quite a youngish um, spine. Like they're going to have Matt Dufty at fullback and Jeremy Marshall King at hooker, most likely. Um, and and th- look, that's it's just a lot of pressure on Matt Burton. And I think he's obviously, I mean, he's a good player. We've seen him play five eighth for the Panthers and do really well, especially when he gets into the groove. You know, it takes him a little bit, but once he's there, you're like, oh man, he's got some some talent as a half. I just worry about. Like, you play against the the Bulldogs this year, and their forward pack is going to be pretty damn solid. They've got some all right plays in their back line. You shut down Matt Burton, what playmaking have they got? They've not really got much around hooker or halfback. And that's the thing that worries me about Burton is there is so much on his shoulders. A little bit like Callan Ponga up at Newcastle. You shut him down, it's all over for the Knights. And I think it could be a little bit similar for him. At the Bulldogs. Yeah, I think, too, one of the issues the Bulldogs might have is it looks like they're going to have 
Naden and Adokar on the same side, mm-hmm. which means they, that may actually become their go-to area attack-wise, obviously, but it also means opposition teams might be able to put their better defenders on that side of the field in the hopes of shutting that that attacking rate down, and that, that shuts down a lot of their attacking options. Because you think they, they might have um, Pango Jr. out on that side as well. Yeah. That's a pretty sharp sharp attacking side, but as we've seen with with teams like the Dragons a few years ago, if all your star attackers are on one side of the field, you can be pretty easy to shut down. And then all of a sudden, you just kick into corners open for the best all the time, which is not a great attacking strategy. Yeah, I think that's where Dafty has to have a massive season. And look, he's gambled on himself. He's come into this and he said, "I'll take a one year deal." And I will suspect that at the end of that, I'll be in higher demand with more salary cap space available. And so he needs to have a big year for himself. So he can maybe offset some of that a little bit. But it's wait and see. The other thing, and I wrote about this this week on on leaguefreak.com, it's a bit of an experiment between talent and cohesion at the Bulldogs this year. So they haven't got a great deal of cohesion, but they definitely brought in the talent. And it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes them to gel as a team. And yeah. that that balance between cohesion and talent, it's going to be interesting to see how it works. The other problem they're going to have is in the forwards with discipline. Because mm-hmm. you're going to have Luke Thompson, Paul Vaughan, Tavita Pangai, and uh, Jack Hetherington. All kind of loose cannons. Yeah. Um, I, I think Tavita Pangai showed at Penrith, though, like, if he's in a good environment, he is rock solid. Like, yes. for, for the Panthers, he was like a model citizen. Yes, but he's in a Trent Barrett environment. <laughs> that could be a problem. <laughs> Just put it out there. Yeah. Um, The Sharks. Now, the interesting thing about the Sharks is they've got a few options they can play at halfback. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of people are suggesting Nico Hines will be seven. I'm kind of inclined to think that it might be um, Braden Trindle at seven and yeah. Hines at six. Yeah, that's what um, I would go with. Others are suggesting Moylan will be at six. Um, yeah. Connor Tracy started out being a half. He could play at six or seven. Um, it's Look, it's a good problem to have, yeah. have too many halves. I think, though, Connor Tracy played so well last year in the three-quarter line I wouldn't be surprised if they just make him drop in at centre to replace Dugan because mm-hmm. he's gone. And Moylan off the bench. And I'd have Hines at six and Trindle at seven. Yeah, I would too. I would too. You, I, can't, I just have, think, well, you can't have Nico Hines at fullback. No, because, God, no, no, no. Kennedy's come along too, too far, too well. Yeah. So, and like Trindle... He's a pretty handy player. I think you've got to give him the start and see what you've got in him. Otherwise, you're going to have to let him go. Yeah, Trindle showed quite a lot of composure for a young bloke and looked like he wanted to control the team from the absolute get-go. Yeah. And I think I think he's made to be um, the seven here. He's quite a lively sort of player too. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharks are going to have one of the most liveliest spines. You're going to have Kennedy... Hines, Trindle, and Blake Braley's very sharp out of dummy half. Um, may not be so great defensively, but that's a pretty sharp attacking spine. Yeah, and they've got a, they've still got a pretty um, 
pretty dominant sort of forward pack there. So I'm I'm tipping the Sharks to get back into the eight. Mm-hmm. Only just. They only just missed out last year by what, 33 points difference. <laughs> Did- I think... I think they'll be back finishing eighth this year. I, I feel like this season, spoiler alert for our season preview, this is almost a full season preview, hey? Well, we're, we're doing we're doing pretty well. Yeah, I, I think that um, there's going to be three classes of teams. There's going to be the Melbourne Storm and Penrith Panthers. There's going to be uh, – there'll be four. There'll be the Melbourne Storm Penrith Panthers. There'll be a couple of teams behind them. Then there's a big block in the middle that – is going to be could be mixed up by players that have to stay out with COVID, normal injuries, suspensions, state of origin call ups, sixth to tenth place on the ladder. Yep, yep. It yep. may be even lower than that, and then the bottom three teams. And I think that that middle group is very close to one another. Oh and yeah. I, and the- I think the only reason that this year is not super close is that in terms of who's going to win the premiership, I just think that Penrith and Melbourne are kind of special <laughs> with where they're at at the moment. And that's the Mel- only reason. Melbourne's done, trademark. Okay, <laughs> Melbourne's over. <laughs> yeah. No Kamali, no Chris Anderson, they're done. Yeah, they're done, they're done. Uh, write them off. Um, the Titans. The Titans. They've had some... They've had a bit of churn. Mm-hmm. So it's looking like... AJ Brimson might have to move from fullback where he's been playing superbly. Yeah. Into five eight, which is a move they can handle because Jaden Campbell has showed he's more than capable of being an NRL player and he can slot in at, at fullback. Yeah. Then there's the replacement for the loss of um Fogarty. Yeah. And I suppose the front runner is going to be Toby Sexton, very young player. Um so their spine is looking Pretty inexperienced. Yeah. But Brim, Brimson's probably going to be the most experienced there. You're going to have possibly uh, Aaron Clark at, at hooker. It's, it's a bit they've, of they've, it's a worry, isn't it? It is. It is. They've they've got a they've still got one of the best forward packs in the comp, yeah. um, but their spine is threadbare. Like what they've yeah. got to start with, and Campbell, Brimson especially, top of the line, absolutely top of the line, and only going to get better. Yeah. But behind that, if they need to fall back to anybody else, um, they, they're going to be scratching a bit. And the thing about Brimson too is that there are some fullbacks you look at and you're like, yeah, he could probably be a 5'8". And for me, Brimson has never been one of those players. He just looks like a good fullback, and there's nothing wrong with that. You got to have a good fullback, but I, I don't know how he's going to handle five eighths. It's it's a real worry for the Titans because they've spent a lot of money to get to this point, and when you look at their spine, it is, you know, you, you kind of wonder should they've spent the money elsewhere. They could have. They could make Brimson at six work if they kept uh, Fogarty. Yes, but losing Fogarty has hurt them so much. They just need. They just need a seven who can do the stock standard seven stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And someone with, with a bit of experience, someone like a Mitchell Pierce would go really well there. Yeah, he would. Doesn't have to do much, just do the basic stuff, 
run the usual plays and let all that talent you've got there, all that young talent, just do their freaky X Factor shit. You'd be fine. I know Mitchell Pierce is in France right now. Mm-hmm. How do you think Mitchell Pierce would handle living on the Gold Coast? Uh, he, look, he'd struggle. <laughs> yeah, I think he would too. <laughs> he'd struggle. Um, like like most people struggle to be mm. sober. <laughs> <laughs> um, not at strip clubs all night. I tell yeah. you what, the the fact that they don't, th- their halves aren't really set as you would want at an NRL club. It's a real worry at this point because anybody that's thinking, oh, I'll move back to Southeast Queensland, they're going to have to choose between the Titans and the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are just going to have more money. Yeah. Um, it's, it's disappointing for the Titans because they made such great improvement last year, mm. and they should be moving further forward from that. And I'm not saying they won't, but losing someone like Fogarty has just hurt so much of that side in every aspect, so much. That's the mm. one player they could they could least afford to lose. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Manly, with the probably the oldest halves combination in the competition, in Foran and Cherry Evans. Yeah, I mean, they, look, they're going to get the job done. You have to wonder if Foran is going to have another season like last year where he wasn't injured too much, which was some sort of miracle. Um, Cherry just, Evans. Well, he just doesn't get injured when he's playing for Manly. Every other <laughs> club, though. Yeah, it's a problem everywhere else. Cherry yeah. Evans, you don't have to worry about. He didn't have his best season last year, but even his like a season like that, he was one of the better halfbacks in the game. Yeah. Um, and they really need that experience because I think the teams, the the top teams, really showed that they worked out how to shut down Manly and Tom Trebojevic. Um, the chances that Tom Trebojevic is going to have another year like like last year where he doesn't miss too many games is pretty low, and so it's going to have to be on everyone else to step up, and luckily they've got a good experienced halves combination. They do, yeah, um, and they've got Dylan Walker on the bench. <laughs> um, the Storm, obviously they're written off. Yeah. Um, interesting one, this one. Because they probably had um, Nico Hines in line to be their six. And losing him is, has meant that they're probably going to fall back to Cooper Johns jumping in at six. Well, they've got Cameron Monster. Yeah, but I mean, is, is he ever going to get on the field? He's always injured or he's always suspended. You reckon? What's think... going on with him, man? Up until about two or three years ago. He was just rock solid. You could put him anywhere, and he was fine. And all of a sudden, he's just turned into an absolute bloody clown, and he's he's barely on the field through his own stupid bullshit. Well, I, like I think in the off season, I read that he he went and sorted out some off field problems for himself, which was good to see. Did he turn the house down? Well, you know what? He dropped a lot of weight. I guess. Oh, that's, well, that, that's the next one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It dropped yeah. A, dropped a lot of weight, so it's going to be interesting to see how that affects his game. Because one of the things was he was big. He was a big, strong ball running. You know, was, was say, did he empty his pockets? <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> he dropped. He dropped a lot of grams, Andrew. He dropped a lot of grams. Um, but yeah, he. It's, so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think that he'll get back on track, and him and Hughes. We know what they can do together. Yeah, and they've got the best coach in the game. Like, that's that. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. How long is um, Munster suspended for? Because I know he's going to miss the first. Is it the first round or the first few rounds? 
rounds. Oh, geez, I can't remember. Hey, I know he's suspended though. Yeah. So that means, yeah, they will. I wouldn't be surprised if they do start with Johns at six to start the year. Mm. They're, they're going to have no other option. Um, Johns is Johns is a reserve grade or a best. Mm. Yeah. Um, that should be pretty good. The Knights. The Knights. Uh, they're going to have probably Jake Clifford and Adam Clune as their halves. Is that the most uninspiring halves combination in the comp, you reckon, or, or are we yet to get there? I've never seen anything from Clune that's even interesting. Um, no. But the only thing that gets me about Adam Clune is his last name sounds like a euphemism for vagina. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> don't you reckon? I'd never thought of it that way, to be honest. Now you would. I, I, thought it, I thought it just sounded like someone very poorly pronouncing clown. Clown, clown. Sounds like someone from Hull saying clown. Yeah, um, yeah clown. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, dumb clown. Yeah, look, I, I thought Clifford, when they brought him in, was pretty good. And he was. He, he was, showed some it, signs. thing is, he had pierced on a lot of the, um, you know, the bulk of the, the work in the halves. Yeah, but Pierce was in and out and, like, I mean, he checked out Mitchell Pierce, and there were some games towards the end of the year where you were like, he's a he's detrimental to their performances. But do you think Clune is better than a checked out Mitchell Pierce? No. <laughs> no, I'd rather have a checked out Mitchell Pierce. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem. So the other thing they might do is put Clifford at seven and Mann, Kurt Mann at six. It's It's not much more inspiring. Well, what if they put – I don't know if they'll do this, but see, Callan Ponga, there's a lot of talk he's going to get, end up at the Dolphins next year for their first year, and that's going to be hanging over the team. I think that they the the Newcastle Knights need to bite the bullet, say, Callan, you're a 5'8 now. It, playing him at fullback, he's getting bashed out of the game. And I know it's a, it's it's not great to have him in the front line, but I think it's better than having everyone just put the bomb up and come down and just belt him, you know, yeah. every set. So I would have him at 5'8 and Clifford at halfback. Yeah, and you could put probably Gagai at fullback, who's a very strong ball runner. Great yeah. on kick returns. You could put Bradman Best there if you wanted to. Another great kick returner. Yeah. because would I, probably work a lot better. Yeah, and look, the, the Knights need to work out the now for Ponga because – you know, he. I don't think long term you look at him and say, well, he's going to be a fullback for the rest of his career. He's definitely going to move into five eight at some point. It's got to be now for the Knights. They need to oh. work out if he's worth the money. The Knights are on it, mate. They're trying to offer his dad a deal. <laughs> the old. Do they know that there's some salary cap rules that are there? Mate, they've been talking to, to Justin Potato. It's all fine. Ah, excellent. It will be good. <laughs> um, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Now, the Warriors could have a few halves options available to them, but I think at this stage they might look at having uh, Harris DeVita and Sean Johnson as their start-up halves. Yeah. Which I don't think would be too bad. Um, alternatively, Reese Walsh might slip in at six. Uh, Harris DeVita to seven. They've got some decent options there. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're going to put Reese Walsh. They might put him at fullback, perhaps. And... You know, dump Dylan Martini was the Lesniak out of the side altogether or put him on the wing. 
They've yeah, got a few I mean, options there, though. It's, it's not too bad for them. Yeah, I th- look, I think Harris DeVita and, um, and Johnson, I think that they're fine. I mean, you'd have to start with them. Johnson's got the experience. It's going to be interesting to see how this part of his career is because this is kind of towards the end of his career now. And, you know, it, it's for an athletic player, it's a change and some players can't handle that change from being, you know, I was one of the best, best athletes on the ground and now I have to use all the experience that I've got and knowing the timing of the game and all that sort of stuff. And some players can't do it. Benji Marshall was a great example of a player that did that. You know, he went from being the best athlete on the ground to all of a sudden it was his playmaking skills and all that sort of thing that he used. And look, he would be one of the slower players on the ground, but he would use the timing of the game and what he'd know, what he'd learned through years of experience to know when to break through the line, things like that. Johnson's at that point of his career. And I and, think he showed that pretty well in his last two seasons at the Sharks. He, yeah, he's I agree. Getting quite a few tries there and was playing some pretty sharp football. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's, that's probably the best halves combination that the Warriors have had for a bloody long time, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Cowboys. Um, you know, I was asking before whether I thought that the Knights halves combination was the most dismal looking one. <laughs> yeah. Cowboys have got Scott Drinkwater and Chad Townsend. Yeah, I think that they, I think that this is the I think this is the the halves combination that you look up and you just go, I've got nothing for them. I don't even want to watch them play. That is so uninspiring. Yeah. And Chad Townsend's there on big money too. Yeah. Um, the other crazy thing is Valentine Holmes has the ability as a fullback to chime in and at least throw a good ball or take the line on and score a try himself. And they've even moved him out of that role and it looks like they're going to play him at centre and park him on one side of the field, which stunts the attack just that little bit more. Plus, the other thing Holmes had was very good kick returns. They've now lost that as well by putting him at centre. Um, this, I'm, I'm going to be honest, this this team, the Cowboys, is a mess. It really is, isn't it? And I get the feeling that um, they're going to try and push Tamalolo out of this team this year. Tamalolo's 28. And if he went, if any club was offered Tamalolo, including the Panthers, my advice is clear the decks. Move move pretty much anyone you've got to move. Yeah. Like, and get Tamalolo on board because uh, there's nothing to suggest he won't be one of these forwards that will play until at least he's 34 and still be good. Um, He's an athletic freak, he's one of the all time greats. And it's weird what they did with him last year. I would not be surprised if he gets permanently moved into the front row. Yeah, I think so that will happen. So that they can then sub him out and not him have not have him on the field for eighty minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it just that there's not much to look at that Cowboys side and get ex- excited about, unfortunately. No. Um, but talking about excitement. Mm-hmm. Parramatta. Oh, yeah. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. Well, they've got the cohesion. They've got the cohesion. I'm going to ask you a question here in all seriousness. Okay. Are they chokers? 
Um, I don't think they're chokers. I just think they're not good enough. There's a difference between being a choker and just not being good enough. I just think Parramatta's not good enough. I think some of their plays in this lineup are chokers. Um, Reggie Campbell-Gillard's a choker. I think you Dylan know. Brown is good enough. I think Mitch Moses is a choker. Okay, that's interesting. Has Dylan, we've we've has, seen it time and time again. At the start of the year, when there's not so much pressure on teams, Moses fucking carves up. Yeah. He's a world beater. And you get him at the end of the season, he's pedestrian. It's a good point. And it's 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 happened several years now. But is that is that choking or is that somebody that is being worn down over the course of a year? I put it down to choking me. Okay. He, he gets easier and easier to shut down. His running game disappears. Mm-hmm. He refuses to run almost sometimes in games. Um, it's frust- It must be frustrating for Eels fans to watch this bloke look like the second coming of Andrew Johns in the first eight, nine rounds of the season <laughs> and destroy teams. And in the second half of the season, he looks like a very poor Luke Brooks. Yeah, look, the thing about them too is that and, it, like, obviously, as a Panthers fan, I look at who are the teams that you've got to worry about and who are the ones that are going to really challenge us. And I remember it was probably probably a third or halfway through last year, I was not worried about Parramatta at all. I was like, we got their number. We'll shut them down completely. They're just not – they're they're not going to be in when the it's time to be, you know, at your best. And look, the game that we beat them in was close, but we beat them. Yeah. Um, they still have a pretty good forward pack and good forward rotation. Um, yeah, but how many of those forwards do you really worry about? Outside of, um, oh, what's his name? Big fella. Nathan Brown? No, no. Junior no, Paulo. Junior Paulo, that's it. Outside of him, their forwards don't worry me. I think... When, when they're in form, they've got a pretty uniquely skilled forward pack, and that's usually the forward packs that travel teams. Campbell Gillard's not the uh, chunky, solid one. He's more of the rangy, tall sort of front row. Junior Paulo's got that more of that size. Madison's got the ball-playing skills, runs a bit on that um, Gareth Ellis Carroll corridor. <laughs> Papali just runs straight like a man possessed, kind of on the Luke Lewis sort of lines. Mm-hmm. Papali's good. Papali's yeah. good. And Nathan Brown's just psycho. And you need a bit of that. See, but that's got, the thing. And then you've got Lane as well, who's interesting, Lane. interesting sort of player to tackle. Um, Oregon Kafusi, very good player. Bryce Cartwright, you need someone who sucks every now and then. <laughs> I see. I, there's just a lot of names there where I'm like, they don't worry me, man. Like Reagan Campbell Gillard's one of those players that against certain teams, he looks amazing. But when he comes up against a good forward pack and they put him on his ass in the first tackle, you don't see him again. Um, Junior Paulo's amazing. I love Junior Paulo. Junior Paulo's doesn't matter who he's playing. He is one of the best players on the field. He destroys um, humans. Yeah. Papali, once again, great player. Really great player. Lane can be a bit hit and miss. Lane can be one of those players where you're like, oh, man, you know, they're getting him good ball out wide. Um, if if he's playing outside Dylan Brown, mm-hmm. he plays really well. Mm. And that that's not me shitting on Mitch Moses there. Brown knows how to use his second rowers really well. Yeah. Um, and Lane knows how to work with him really well. They just have a really good combination, those two. Um, so 
if he can get out there and be on that side of the field, it works really well. I like watching that. They do some yep. pretty unique stuff. The other one, Madison, I mean, I just, you know, he I've seen him play some pretty good games, but they were never in big games. Or for Parramatta. Well, yeah, you know, what can you say? Um, next, the Panthers. And I said, it's Luai and Cleary. Well, I mean, we, we in a very close one, we said Nathan Cleary was the best player in the world last year. Yeah. Um, but it was close. It was real close. It was um, close. But I think um, the thing that's going to help here is Luai did show some evolution in his game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just all 100 miles an hour and try and make something happen every single play. He's starting to get a bit of consistency in his game, um, showing a bit more intelligence when he's got the ball, mm-hmm. not trying to make every play a match-winning play. Yeah. Something he got guilty of a few times in 2020 and occasionally 2021. He's starting to get a lot smarter the way he plays the game, and that's what's that's the big threat there. Cleary's always been um, very experienced for a young fella. Um, just, you know... You just get some of those players who are just an experienced head on their shoulders, even though they might only be 20 years old. Yeah. He's always he's just been one of those kids. But um, Lua was always a bit of the loose cannon, but he's he's rectified that. And I think they're in for a big year. Yeah, and, like, very good defender, Lua as well, especially mm. towards the end of last year. He was starting to get in that – he was starting to get towards, like, being able to smash players and shut down – like backline players as well, which was interesting. I think that with Luai, it will, when the game starts slowing down for him, I think that we're going to see him go to a completely different level. And that's when Penrith are going to be really scary. I think he still plays a lot of what's in front of him. I still think a lot of his, his play is frantic and it works. It works. He's different to Cleary. But I think when he starts seeing the football game slow down for him, that it's going to be like, holy shit, how do we stop these two? Yeah. Um, the Dragons. Oh, dear, the Dragons. Um, <laughs> look, Ben Hunt will be seven. Top That's quality fine. halfback. He's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, who they put at six? Uh, it could be Jack Bird. Yeah. It, it could be... Um, <laughs> Could be new recruit Moses and Bai. You'd love that, wouldn't you? Oh. Are the Tigers still playing Moses, uh, paying him? No, he's contract ended. Oh, that's good. I, that's I good. believe he's contract ended. Yeah. Or he. No, I don't think the Tigers are paying him. I think he, that's oh, yeah. that's a clean cut, that one. Excellent. Um, I dare say they'll probably go with Mbai and Hunt in the halves. Probably. Mbai. Um, I suppose the, he's had his most success as a 5'8". Yeah. Uh, it's just been in New South Wales Cup. <laughs> for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, the game, though, has changed, but I don't think Mbai has. Um, he has shown at times at the Tigers he can do a job when he's asked to do something specific. Whether whether that's something that Dragons are going to ask him to do or whether they're going to give him, you know, free reign to do as he needs. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the key thing. I think Mbai kind of needs 
a little bit more um, guidance as to what his role should be, and then he'd be fine. Because I think he takes direction well. He just needs to receive it. Um, I think I think you're being really kind. I think he's fucking garbage. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't give him an actual set task, I need yeah. you to do this and this. Yeah. Because we saw it a few times in that, that West, West Tigers documentary last year. And that was when Michael Maguire went out and says, I really need you to do this and this for me. And Bo went out and did exactly what he asked. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he was great, but I'm saying he did what he was asked to do. His defense is atrocious. You know, I come across in that that documentary. He seems like a really nice dude too, huh? Hey? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which, let's be honest, the dragons kind of need some of those after the bullshit they've been doing <laughs> for the last two yeah. years. Let's just hope he doesn't say, "Hey, guys, party at my house." Has anyone got a Weber? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. What no, about if they does. play Jack Bird at five eight? I, I'm still, I, I, I wouldn't. If I was a club, I'd say, look, Jack Bird. I just don't need to deal with that anymore. Um, too, too many injuries. He hasn't really settled into a position. I, I just don't know. I just let somebody else be their problem. You know. Yeah. Okay. So next we've got South. Um, the loss of Adam Reynolds there is big. Yeah. Um, it means they're going to have to bring in a rookie pretty much. So they've got Cody Walker at six still, which is bloody awesome for them. Mm-hmm. But they might have to go with, um, you know, maybe moving Walker to the halfback and Latrell Mitchell to 5'8". Or there's two rookies. You've got Blake Taff. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Surname's spelled T-A-A-F-E. Mm-hmm. Or there's Lachlan Ilias. Um, that's kind of where they're at, though. Yeah, I was surprised by that. That was the thing about South when they let Reynolds go. They didn't have somebody that was an obvious replacement for him. Um, and and the thing about South, too, is like Cody Walker, you kind of think of him as being younger than he is because he broke into first grade so late. Mm. So and, and look, he's a magician. I wrote on my website this week, guy's a magician. You know, there's there's few players, there's few five eights in the game that can just win it like he can. Um, but he can't play a lone hand, and it's kind of the similar thing with Burton at the Bulldogs. Like if you can just get lots of defence in front of Walker and just slow him down a bit, you're going to slow down Souths. I don't know if you move Mitchell to five eight. I like I think I'm sure he could handle that positional move. He did it a fair few times at the Roosters. Um, oh, yeah. In his last two years there, um, he can do it when he's got a genuinely good halfback next to him who's controlling it because then he's just doing the the Jack White type stuff, being that explosive yeah. ball runner. And, I mean, Latrell Mitchell is more explosive a ball runner than pretty much anybody else in the NRL. Yeah. He's a pretty handy bloke to have running through the middle off the back of some forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, good luck stopping that. Um, so... It's probably – it could be the option they go with, mm-hmm. but they're not strong options. I, I prefer – the problem you've got to be doing with that is you're taking Cody Walk from a role that he's exceptional at and putting him in one that he's probably less comfortable with Yeah. in order to accommodate putting Latrell Mitchell in a position that he's reasonable at 
and all you're doing is you're weakening spots in order to accommodate everyone. It's kind of like they've done recruitment like the West Tigers in the halves. It is a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> um, I agree completely with what you said. I mean, you know, in the ideal world, they would just get a plug-in and play halfback. It wouldn't really matter what quality they were because they've got so much. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, Cook at, at Hooker, so they don't have to worry about that. You know, Walker at 5'8", you've got Luttrell at the back. You just need a halfback that can get the job done. Yeah. And it just looks like they don't have it. Unless one of these youngsters comes in, and performs above what a young halfback normally does. So, I, like, it's just going to be a wait-and-see thing. But they, this is why it was such a premiership window that you don't know if it's completely closed on them, but with Walker at the age he is at, they're going to lose Nichols um, next year to the Dolphins. And there's just, I don't know, it... I feel like they need to bring more talent to the club and they just wasted an off-season not doing that. Yeah, it's interesting what's gone on there and what they do from here because mm. they're starting to get a few little cracks in the in the starting lineup starting to appear, you know, little weak spots. They're not yeah. huge. They're not damaging to their finals chances. I still think they're going to be in the finals this year. But there's just... You can see little weaknesses starting to happen there purely because of the loss of Reynolds and the combinations he had. Yeah, and look, they should be one of the top four sides. They really should be. But, you know, I just can't see them beating the Storm or the Panthers without a really good halfback. No, I agree. Um, The Roosters, Mm. they're going to have Keary and Sam Walker. How many games do you reckon that, like, if you had to put money on it, you say you a thousand dollars that they are going to play twenty plus games together, would you make that bet? No. Yeah, neither would I. Kiri's had, for me, for for a small bloke, um, he's had too many head knocks, mm-hmm. and Sam Walker is not bigger. They they're going to be targeted so hard by opposition teams, and not because of their small, but because we've seen how amazingly brilliant they are and how much of a massive threat they are in attack. Yeah. So they're going to be targeted heavy by opposition second rollers, um, and they're going to be just zoning in on them. They don't even care if they if they you know put a late hit on them. If they take one of them out of the game, that ta- that changes the game, and that's really the problem matters. they're going to have now. So. Players like Maria Hargraves and Torquiaho, their jobs are going to have to be to go out there and protect their halves all game long, which I'm sure they can do, but that's kind of been what they're going to have to do. Victor Radley as well is going to have to be in that area doing that sort of thing. Protect them in defence, protect them from being hit by opposition players. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Roosters change the way they play the game a little bit in Mm -hmm. order to accommodate that. They've got some big, big backs. Yeah. Um, you know, Tupo, Momorowski, Manu, even young Joseph Suwali, James Tedesco. None of those guys are small. And you've got that big forward pack as well. It, should be, it shouldn't be too much of a drama to hide two, two small halves. I mean, most teams are doing it all the time anyway. Yeah, like the thing, I think that if Kiri gets a head knock this year, he moves into that, is it, is it time to retire sort of mm. area. No, I agree. Um, 
And, you know, the thing about Walker is he was very young and it's the risk you run with having a young halfback once again is you throw him in the deep end, you throw a youngster in like that against, you know, the Giants that are NRL forwards. And you could just see he was he was bashed out of the game by the end of the season. Um, yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on. PVL brought the little man back into the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because like, you know, you, you see a young bloke like that, and I've I've read reports he's put weight on, which is good over the off season because that'll protect him a little bit. But you know, you you're not. We talked about this before last season. You don't. There's very few players that can come into the NRL and handle the rigors of it without the right body type and without having been filled out. Now, I think Campbell was a good example of a, a young bloke that, I mean, man, he must have weighed 70 something kilos. Yeah, I've and had he, bigger steaks. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like he handled it, but yeah. it, he did it as a fullback and he handled it all right. But someone like Walker, I mean, he just got bashed so much. And Kiri is kind of in that same sort of realm. Kiri's not a big dude. And if they play heaps of games together, they're going to be very good. But I just worry that they will. And I worry more about Kiri than I do about Walker, weirdly enough. Kind of, both of them kind of remind me, physique-wise, mm-hmm. definitely not skill-wise, of um, Jason Taylor when he played the game. Mm-hmm. Because Taylor was the only genuine playmaker that North Sydney had for a while there, he was targeted by opposition sides, and he copped a lot of head knocks, and he got absolutely belted. Um. To the point that they had to start putting Billy Moore next to him all the time to, to protect him a little, little bit, try and scare off people from just running at him off the ball to throw him out of the game. Yeah. Um. You only got to look at his his nose to know how many times that got smashed and broken. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure the tip of it nearly touches his earlobe. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, they, they kind of remind me a bit of that. Um. <laughs> so I'm hoping they um. Hoping they they play the season out because that'll be absolutely great for the game to actually have the Roosters with those two halves firing because they will join that top two of Melbourne and Penrith. Yeah, they they should be top four at least. Um, even if one or both of those players plays a lot of games, they should be right up there. But um, I think the injuries once again are going to take their toll. Even with Radley, like Radley started getting belted out of the game in a in a way, you know. Um, he's a he's not a big forward, and I know he throws himself into everything, and I love watching him play. But eventually, you know, the 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 mind is willing, but the body is unable, and I think yeah. that that's a problem that the Roosters have had. That's very true. And now we're to the final final team. Okay, hit me with it. OS Tigers. So. It probably goes without saying the West Tigers' best player of the last two years is Adam Dewey. Yes. And undoubtedly a, a leader at the club for such a young bloke and their best half. Yes, he's best best that he's played at the club, 5'8". Yep. Yeah. So the club's made an announcement during the year that they are not moving on Luke Brooks in any way, shape or form, and they plan to have Luke Brooks retire at the club. Mm-hmm. They'll do everything they can to make sure that happens. How old's Luke Brooks still? He's what, twenty-seven? Uh, he's probably about fifty. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just thinking, like that's a I long think commitment they've 20, still given him. Twenty-six or twenty-seven? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that means okay, they've decided Brooks is seven, which means Dewey's going to be five eighth, right? 
So then they're going to sign 5 Jackson Hastings. Very good player. But it means you've now taken your best 5 and moved him elsewhere. So now we're going to have to move him into the centres, which is fine. They got rid of um, James Roberts and they Joey got rid of, got rid of Joey. Um, so they had space there. They signed Oliver Gildart, Test Centre for England. Yep. Um, so that means they only had one other centre spot available. And they went and signed Stafford Toa from the Knights. Yeah. Who's an out-and-out centre. Yes. You might be able to play on the wing. But, I mean, you've got David Nofaluma and Ken Marmolo as well there. So they're going to be your wingers because they can't play at centre. But they could play him at third centre, couldn't they? Well, this is this is the thing. The other position that uh, that Dewey can play is fullback. And when you've got someone like Dane Laurie, who's absolutely killing it there last year before he mm-hmm. got injured, they've now they've now pushed Dewey out of the team without even realising it. Your best attacking player, your biggest attacking threat, and you push him out of the team, you fucking peanuts. The only thing that saved them is the fact that he's probably going to miss the first half of the year due to a knee injury. But what are they going to do when he comes back? They didn't sign these blokes for six-month deals. They signed them all on three, four-year deals. Yeah, it's it, it makes hell? no sense. It's It goes back to the, uh, you know, the West Tigers pioneered uh, positionless football in the early 2000s, and I think maybe they're looking to get back to their heyday. Well, I mean, it makes sense with the new era. They've gone, um, gone and got Tim Sheens back. Yep. The new era again. Um, I think their best house pairing would be Dewey and Hastings. Dewey at six, Hastings at seven. Yeah. But Look, they're probably going to go with Brooks Brooks and Hastings or Hastings and Brooks mm-hmm. and Dewey at centre. I know what Brooks gives me. I don't know what Hastings is going to give me in the NRL. He might come back with a better attitude bit more experience the game slows down from a bit and he it, things might click you know he, he was had a lot of raps on him as a youngster oh look the first two points you made definitely happened he's definitely a lot more mature he's definitely got the right attitude mm. absolute givens the other stuff though remains to be seen yeah and that's um, i want to see that you know because i know that i know what brooks is going to give me like everyone knows what brooks is going to give the west tigers and it's not enough. So let's no. see what, what Jackson Hastings can do. It might be worse, but at least then you know. Yeah. But we also know what Dewey gives us, and that is um, attack. He knows how to attack. He knows how to take the line on. He can run on both sides of the field. Mm-hmm. Good kicking game. And one of those blokes who leads by example. And yeah. That's the bloke who should be captain of the club. That's who they'll probably make captain very, very soon. But what they've done here, it makes zero sense. Like, they're going to have to put either Hastings or Dewey on the bench. But I don't know that you spend the money you do on Hastings or Dewey and put them on the bench. That just seems nonsense. Yeah, it'd be crazy. I, I, I don't know. Can you, I mean... The only other option is they move someone of that lot to hooker. Because the Tigers have, just, I think the Tigers have decided they're not going to extend Jacob Little. Yeah. So that means no one's available. But I don't want, I don't want my Ferraris out there trying to play our field. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, could hate. I don't know if Hastings would 
make a good hooker. Um, I I feel like Brooks wouldn't. Um, could you play Dewey at lock? I don't know. No, that's the thing. The 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 Tigers are pretty well covered for lock. I mean, they signed Tyrone Peachy. Yeah, but that like they've Tyrone got Alex Pe- Twelve, they've got Joe Offen Gowie. They're good. They're good for lock. That the thing is though, their their forward pack overall was so soft and like everyone ran through them last year. Yeah. So I, there's no one in that forward pack that I'm willing to say, well, that's their position. You know, I, I think they're all up for being moved around. I know you've got uh, Luciano Lailua. He's yeah, still he, very good. And you can, he's, he's, he's on Gamaru. his way to North Queensland at the end of next year, at the end of the year too. I know, but I mean, he was, it was at least a, an attacking threat. He's not like yeah. his brother. Yeah. Um, and Utikamano, I mean, he was brought in to, you know, sit around and watch the, the Blues play. And he, he actually was very strong at the end of the season. But, yeah, I get your point about most of the rest. Um, that's the thing. I mean, Peachy can play six. Peachy well, can also is, play centre. But here's the thing. Why did they sign Peachy? I don't know. Like, what What did you look at? What I wrote this during the week. You look at the West Tigers and did you ever think, you know what they need? They need a utility player that's really good off the bench. They've got like, shit tons of them. Yeah, Like, what the fuck are they doing? Most of the team is utility players. Yeah. What they needed was an out-and-out halfback. Yes. All they needed. Everything else would have been fine if they just had a straight-up halfback, even if it meant you move Brooks to 5'8". Because I think he'd be fine at 5'8 with a proper halfback next to him to show him how things are done. And a young halfback, not Benji Marshall. Because Benji wasn't there to teach Luke Brooks how to play the game. Benji was there to plug a gap. Yeah. And he did that far better than anyone expected him to. Um, but, yeah, just weird, weird signings. So, look, Brooks. Not bad you- signings, but just not good in the sense of what the team needed. Weird as shit. Yeah, it'd be like the Panthers going and signing a halfback. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, um, but not Brooks, any halfback. They go and sign, like, Jerome Hughes. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You've got Brooks, <laughs> you've got Hastings, and you've got Dewey. Which one of those three players do you think will move out of the club first? If they're smart, they move on Brooks. Yes, I agree. Okay. And I'm, I'm not someone who's a massive Luke Brooks basher. I think people have listened to this enough. No, that I've not sat there and blamed everything on Brooks because he's not the full reason for what's gone on at the club. The problem is when you've been around a club for so long and only tasted defeat, the best thing for both the club and the player is to part ways and try something different. Mm-hmm. Because if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And that's where the Tigers are at the moment. They've decided they're going to put all their eggs in the Luke Brooks basket it means they're going to continually finish doing what they're doing all the time, no matter who they bring into the club, until he quits. Because that's just the way they are. Luke Brooks is comfortable. You can't have comfortable as your playmaker. Not at all. And, and the, the thing is, too, like there are certain players you commit to for mostly because you hope they commit back, you know. So I, I think of somebody like a... Uh, and Nathan Cleary, you know, you commit big money to him or a Jason Taumalolo in the hope that he never starts looking for greener pastures. You don't commit to someone like Luke Brooks, who's like, yeah, you know. 
Look, he had he had the potential early on. Problem is, he never got paired with the right coach and the right five eighth at the same time. Yeah, he got paired with Mitch Moses, and essentially, Moses and Brooks were both fighting for the same position. Yeah, neither of them were a five eight. They were both wanted to be a four a halfback. And so, whenever they're on the field, was, we were playing essentially right side halfback, left side halfback, which is stupid. I know a lot of people still say that that still exists in the game, and to an, to an extent it kind of does, but when you look at the way a lot of teams play now, they're transitioning away from that system now. We're yeah. going back to having a strong ball running six and a genuine playmaker at seven. Yeah. A lot of the best clubs are doing that. And yet some of the poorer teams are still running this, well, we've got to have two playmakers options. Going, no, you don't. Yeah. You need you need what you need to have, and every club that's won a premiership in the last decade will show you you need you need uniquely talented players across the field. Mm-hmm. You don't want lots of people doing the same thing across the field. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the back rows for Penrith last year; they're not the same types of players. No. The same goes for the Roosters when they won. The same goes for um, the Storm, Melbourne. Even even the Sharks in 2016, mm-hmm. their second rowers are two different bodies. That's what you've yeah. got to have. You need to have different shaped bodies everywhere and different skill sets all over the park because they're hard to shut down. You can't use the same defensive structure against them all the time because it's not going to work. You know, that's what makes people like um, Wade Graham so hard to deal with. You don't know what he's going to bring you. He's got so many different t- you know, talents and skills. He's hard to shut down. And you get different players like that across the field in different areas that are all like that popping up everywhere with those different skills. Latrell Mitchell's another great example. You know, a weird one is Bromwich down in Melbourne who, exactly. you know, he gets the ball out wide and all of a sudden he's playing like the biggest 5'8 that's ever played the game. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Yo at Penrith, he's another one that does something similar like that. He's where an awkward, it, awkward thing. And yeah, I, mean that yeah. in the, I don't mean that in the best of intentions, mate, because you yeah. look at him and you go, he looks like, he would be the easiest player to defend against, and he just isn't. He'd look, he looks like a, a friggin' accountant that should be playing sea level. And he gets the ball, and he's got that footwork. He's got a little bit of playmaking about him. He knows to bring the defence up towards him and, you know, get a nice offload. And, it, you know, he, ca- he, he causes problems for defences. He's like our our biggest secret weapon, and he's right there in the middle of the field. <laughs> um, and, and you look at a team like the West Tigers, and... You know, it, it, there's just none of that. I just, I don't know what their plan is. And I think the problem is they they don't have a plan. I just think that now that it's a new era and they've got a uh, blueprint that's all, all put into a computer for their centre of excellence, it's all going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. They also sure. have a new logo too. Yeah, they, they took the... I took the scratchy claws off. The claws, yeah. Now the tigers have no claws. No claws. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. I mean, apt. Yeah, it kind of is. Kind of is. I nailed that. We'll give him that much. <laughs> um, they, I think I mentioned this in another episode. They, they revealed that their center of excellence. They revealed what it looks like. Yeah. But it was entirely a computer model. I haven't built the thing yet. Yeah, they haven't got it yet. They've, they've, uh, we had a listener actually send us um, via the Fergo and the Freak Facebook page uh, some pictures of the groundwork that's been done on their set of excellence. I think that was about, what, four months ago now, something like yeah. that? Yeah, they, um, they've turned so the soil. They turned the soil, yeah. At least, the, at least the ground wasn't sour like it is at Manly. 
Um, true. I've actually seen pictures of Manly's the the new ground. Uh, the the work that they were doing at the end of the ground, it actually looks pretty good, hey? Huh? I mean, it can look as good as it was, but it's still going to have asbestos in it. Yeah. <laughs> you get thyroid cancer if you sit in the seat for too long, but still. But hey, the view will be good. Can you imagine they're going to be like the fucking, like Ukraine? You know how they've got all, all of a sudden, they've got all these athletes that are five foot seven and above. It has <laughs> nothing to do with Chernobyl, but anyway. Nothing at all. Um, so yeah, that's it. We've, we've had our, that's our half, our half preview. Well, that's, uh, I think we've done pretty well there. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. Solid. I think that there's some teams, some teams aren't just aren't in the race this year at all. Um, but there's a good, there's going to be a really good battle in the middle of the pack. And I think we could see some really interesting results by season's end. Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's teams out there who know they don't have a strong forward pack, uh, halves, halves pairing, and they've yeah. built a team, especially a forwards pack, around that. Yeah. Which will help. And there are other teams who are just fucking guessing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that there's a clear top, probably, a, I reckon there's five teams when I think about it. But then... I think that you can fall out of that. There's a couple of the teams that could fall out of that really quickly if uh, injuries or, mm. or just suspensions hit them. I could see them falling out of it. Not falling out of the finals, but just not being a real contender. Yeah. But I, I really do believe that um, I, I can't see anybody beating the Storm or the Panthers just yet. I just think those two teams, they've got experience now. Their forward packs are very good. Um, they both lost a little bit of, of talent in the off season, but they're also two teams where, you know, they can play a youngster and by the end of the year that, that you know, they're in the test team, you know, or yeah. they're in somebody's test team. Um, and all there their were, key positions are sort of set. I'd say the, the only issue between the top two is the Storm need Munster to turn up with his head screwed on. Mm-hmm. And get all that stupid shit out of his game. And I'm not talking about the off-field stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about some of the dumb shit he does on the field that, you know, he gets suspended for and gets sin bin for. He needs to get rid of that garbage. You can still be you can still be a um an aggressive player without having without going around kicking people in the while they're in the play, the grawl and stuff like that. that. That's not tough. That's just stupid. True. And I, the other thing is too, like, um, I guess now Penrith's the hunter team and see how they they deal with that. But I also have a, a just a sneaky feeling that there were times last year where the Panthers they it was those gut check moments in games where it was like, okay, you're gonna win it or lose it here. How are you gonna play? And they would fall back on their defense because their defense was as otherworldly. I've never seen defense like it. I think this year, because the monkey is off the back, I think their attack is going to open right up. And if they can just keep, you know, 85% of the defense that they've got, they're still going to be the best defensive team in the comp. But if they can open their attack up, like we kind of know Penrith has a history of having good attacking sides, like Newcastle as well. Just that natural rugby league flair about them when they really get going. Um. If Penrith does that, then it's going to take something bloody incredible to beat them. But at the same time, how many teams have been in three straight grand finals 
you know, in the last 40 years and how many of them have won, you know, two out of three. It's a, it's a tough task for Penrith this year. So it's, it's going to make for a great season, whatever happens. Fully agree. Unless you're a West Tigers fan. <laughs> yeah. If you're, actually, if you're actually, unless you're a Cowboys fan, sorry, you guys. Or a, or a Dragons fan, I reckon. I eh? See, thing is, I'm, I'm almost convinced the Cowboys are going to be the team that could be the worst to watch this year. Yeah, I There's think it's nothing in this side that excites me anymore. Even Tom Malolo, knowing that he's going to be playing 50 minutes instead of 80. Yeah, and I know what you mean. They've gone from being one of the constantly exciting teams to watch to just uh, is the golf on. There's got to be a team out there that says to themselves, "Look, we can make a play for Jason Tomalolo." Um, I don't know who it is. You know, I. I, I See, the West Tigers are tiny, but he can't play at 5'8", and that's yeah, the problem. They're not 5'8", they're a centre either. No. So. Um, but they, look, I mean, can you imagine if, say, South signed him? Or, I, I don't know. They, look, he, you put him in any team, they're going to be better for it. Like, you could you could replace uh, Isaiah Yo with Taumalolo, and Penrith would be a better team. And that's not saying anything bad about Isaiah Yo. It's just that Taumalolo is an all-time great but so, but put it's him just in a, para, put him in Parramatta or Canberra and watch him change them immensely. Oh, could you imagine Tamalolo and Papali? Yeah. Oh, that would be ah. sick. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. Can you? Okay. What about this? Canberra goes to the Cowboys and says, "We'll give you Jack White for Tamalolo. Would you do that deal?" If I'm the Cowboys, yes. Yep. What if, if you're the I, don't know, I don't know if the Raiders would do that because they don't actually have a six to replace Whiten with. I, I would do that, hey. Mm. I would do that. I'd, I'd I'd be like, I get this guy. I've got one of the best front rows in the game, and then I've got the one of the best lock forwards of all time, and I'll, I'll find a five eighth. Someone will want to play in this team. I'll get Adam Dewey when he gets sick of the bullshit in in, in fucking <laughs> May. Dewey up for a packet of chips. Yeah, <laughs> is that that's a guy who, in my opinion, he doesn't he doesn't do it for the big cash. He he's just an absolute competitor. You just get some of those players like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he he'd play for anything. Imagine if the Manly Seagulls got Tomalola. Changes. They, they all of a sudden they become a contender. Yeah. You know, I just think that there's so many teams that if they got it, if they got a whisper that Jason Tamalolo would be interested, you fucking tell his agent, I will clear the decks, I will break the salary cap this year. Yeah, I'd love to see him go to the Warriors, actually. The only problem is he'd have to move to New Zealand eventually, and it's an upgrade on North Queensland. Oh, you reckon? <laughs> Although I, I'll be honest, I I was up there. And I literally drove around Townsville. <laughs> so, um, they, they, I know in New Zealand, they feel like when they go back to New Zealand and Reese Walsh comes off contract, he's gone. Just for the simple fact that he will want to live at home as a youngster. Yeah, knowing that, that Redcliffe's got a team, he can just go there. Because I don't think the Broncos will ever get him back again. No, I don't. Yeah. Red, yeah, I agree. Red Cliff. Imagine him at fullback. 
Ponga at 5'8 for Redcliffe. That's a now you're starting to get a team. <laughs> that is spicy. Yeah, yeah. I've got no mail. It's just that I know that Warriors fans and supporters and that have been talking about that, and it, it kind of does make sense. Speaking of mail. Yes. Has there been any emails? No, there hasn't. <sighs> Fucking people, man. That's just not good enough. No. So people need to send us send us a couple of emails. Uh, we're going to start more of our regular programming from this week. And uh, we haven't made our big announcement yet, but it's coming. It is coming. Mm. That's what she said. Mm. So Walsh has pulled that one out. That's what she ex- said. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> so where can people find us, Andrew? Um, in a shed. Mm-hmm. No, no. Um, we're on Twitter. At, uh, and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. Uh, we're on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, MySpace. So check us out on all of those. Make sure you give us a like, subscribe, all that sort of gear. Um, we'd really like it too if you all got more involved with the Facebook account. Just get over there and like everything and just press play on the videos. Just let them play through, that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, you know, you've got nothing better to do. So just do that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, your lives are fucking shit, apparently, according to Andrew. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, you know, I don't hear you arguing with me. No, see, I think our listeners have wonderful and extraordinary lives. And by by extension, it enriches our lives as well. Sure. That's not what you said off air. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Oh, when did I start doing your shit? <laughs> I know. What the hell? I'm supposed to be the bastard one here, not you. Yeah. Yeah. See, I made a vow at the start of the year to be more of a prick. Oh, man. We're just yin and yang. We really are. It doesn't matter what happens. Imagine if you just ended up being a complete bastard by, by like, you know, the end of next year or something. Just nailing it, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I can do that pretty comfortably. I just... Find it more time consuming. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, during the week I was saying how I admired Wigan fans on Twitter, and I got so many hate tweets at me about it from people from other clubs, and it was really extraordinary. Um, I think I'm going to have to tweet more about Wigan this week and how much I admire their club compared to, you know, some other clubs in Super League. That Well, I mean, what could go wrong? Yeah, it's I think nothing. it'll be fine. Yeah, I do want to end. Uh, well, not end. We can probably talk about other stuff afterwards. But I do want to mention too that um, today, yesterday, yesterday, when you listen to this, um, England lost one of their um, one of their great Test wingers of the past, and Des Drummond. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get the same play because you know the best part of his career was when I was only you know knee-eyed a grasshopper. But uh, he came from Jamaica to England when he was a little kid. And played very long career. I think he might have played almost 20 seasons, if not slightly more than that, in England. Um, played over 20 tests for, for the Poms. Um, very fast sprinter. In fact, in I think it was in 1984, he did a 100-metre sprint, and his time was so good it would have qualified him for the English uh, Olympic team. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, absolute freak. He was Martin O'Fire before Martin O'Fire come along. That's that's what we were talking about essentially. Yeah. Um, not not the prolific try scoring freak that O'Fire was because 
he's almost unrivaled in that space. But similar sort of uh, personality, mm-hmm. um, absolute blistering speed and great human all around. So, uh, you know, absolute sad loss to, to the rugby league world there. Um, he was so from, young too. Like, I think he was 63. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic player. Uh, and so it, the big shame too out of that, not just because he's passed away, but it would have been fantastic for him to see Jamaica playing in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would have been absolutely amazing. So that, that's a real shame too. But um, yeah, that that bit of sad news there. Yeah, I I saw people uh, speaking about him. I, I'm like you. I, I he's just a little bit before my time, and uh, saw a lot of people talking about what he meant to the game and really well loved. It seemed like. And so yeah, it was it was very sad to hear that news. Yeah. Um, anything else we can chat about? Actually, I know there is one one more thing I would like to mention. Mm-hmm. The rugby league project um, yearbook. Yes. Very near completion. Yep. When I say very near. It's going to get released this week. Oh, do we know what day yet? Mm, one that ends with Y. Okay. Uh, it'll be before the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Um, so keep your eyes and ears peeled on that. It will appear on the Rogue League Project uh, website. Mm-hmm. There'll be a link to it in our Patreon account. Uh, we'll put the link there first before it goes anywhere else. You'll be able to see it. If you're a Patreon, you'll see it first before anybody else. So so where can people sign up to be a Patreon uh, to get the first chance to read it? Patreon.com slash project. Excellent. And all you got to do is make a small donation there per month from as little as $1 a month, and you'll get to see that. Um, see what we've been working on for the last two and a half months, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the reason why I haven't been podcasting as much. <laughs> <laughs> Between that and me dying. For people that don't know, should I tell them the story? Yeah, we should, actually, we should go down this avenue. Why okay. not? So oh, what would it have been about? Nearly about two weeks ago, right? I can't remember because days started going into one another. Well, actually, I, um, no, we we started we we were recording regularly up until about December seven. Okay, well, well, and that's when it stopped for three weeks. Yeah, so I got a bit unwell with something. I got uh, I got shingles. I never had shingles before. Didn't even know I had shingles, right? So I come down with shingles and they knocked me on my ass, right? That's fine. Okay, get over that really start feeling strong again, like really strong. It's good when you're feeling strong again. And uh, start coming down with something, and it makes me really tired. Start any, getting, other, any other symptoms? Well, I, I get tired, right? Yeah. I get a, a fever, okay? I, yeah, I get uh, headaches, aches and pains, things Ooh. like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, but I don't have a, a sore throat or, or the sniffles or anything. I get that, right? It's pretty obvious what this is. Oh, yeah. I, I, so I go and get the test. I don't have COVID. You fucking what? <laughs> so when COVID started back in <laughs> back in 2020, I got normal-ass influenza, didn't get COVID. And now I don't even know what I had because I was so certain I had COVID. I waited until it was just about gone before I got the test. So I go in. And it, when they said it wasn't COVID, I was so pissed off because for me it was like, this is it. I've got the antibodies. I'm sweet. Don't have COVID. So. And I'd just like to say. Yeah. When you told me that you were starting to feel poorly again. 
Yeah. And I asked, you know, is this shingles? You went, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm clear of the shingles. First thing I did is I went out and I bought a kilo of onions. And I thought, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a bit of fun with this. Yeah. And then you come back and tell me it's not COVID. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Well, I've got an idea. You know how we've got a little competition that you and me are going to run that we can't talk about just yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the loser has to eat an onion live on the podcast. Oh. Yeah. How about that? That's a bit rough. I know. It's going to suck. <laughs> I have to say that because if anyone's got half a clue as to, you know, how we go with the tipping, we all know that I'm going to be eating that fucking onion. <laughs> Well, it's, it's not just tipping, though. It's like there's a little bit more involved in it. And, you know, I feel as though you're going to be a little bit more steady than I am and considered, and I'll be, like, trying to hit home runs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen at all. <laughs> I think I'll probably have one good week, I'll get relaxed, and then you'll start smashing out of the park, and I'll panic, and then I'll just be practice eating onions the whole time so that when I have to eat one live on air, it's comfortable. <laughs> Just like getting little bits of venom, snake venom in you. You just say you're getting used to it by the end of the year. You're like, Man, exactly. I've been hitting onions for three months. Yeah, I've been chewing these things down. It'll just sound like I'm chewing on an apple in the end. <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, so it's uh, so that's why we haven't been t- uh, doing as many podcasts. And Andrew's been pretty busy too. Um, you know, having a desk job. That's that. I guess how it works, eh? That's uh. Look, it's demanding. Yeah. I've got to I've got to go to the desk and then I've got to leave the desk. Sometimes t- I've got to come back to the desk. You were telling me how how before you got the lock on your door of your office that those midday naps were really a little bit touch and go, but now you've got to lock, you're fine. Well yeah, I mean that's the problem with them is that yeah, you you get up you get up at eight. Mm-hmm. When I say eight, I mean nine. Yeah. Um you turn on the computer, go out, grab yourself something to eat. Then it's lunchtime, so you have a bit more to eat. Then you got to go have a nap because you've just had two meals in a row. Um, and, you know, the nap's got to take at least three or four hours. You've got to recover from that shit. Yeah, you want and a then, proper nap. And then it's, you know, by then it's five o'clock. It's, it's knockoff time. Yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah, I've been getting woken up by these little humans that live in my house. Dad, can you do this? Oh. Fine. Fine. I'll be I heard, a parent. I, I, I read on uh, Reddit once upon a time, somebody explained that children are like having drunk people around you. Yeah, I remember hearing that. It's um, not really been my experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to run a country pub. And I'll just say this. I've never had, as, as a parent, I've never had to clean vomit and piss off the roof. Off the roof. Yeah. Oh shit. I've that never had to. I've never had to unchain someone from a toilet as a parent. It reminds me of like when uh, <laughs> I was listening to a restaurateur who talked, and they were talking about uh, the worst part of running their restaurant was the toilets, and people would say like, "Oh, yeah, the men's toilets must be bad," and they'd be like, "No, no, the women's toilets are like." It's like some sort of war zone. Like you don't even know what the fuck you don't see in there. But when you see it, you want to unsee it. Um, that reminds me of that. I don't know why. Yeah, the the women's toilet is, is a 
it's a visual disaster. A visual disaster. <laughs> the the men's toilets, you can smell what you're walking into, and it's it's not good. I I wouldn't preference one over the other though. They're all horrible. Look, that I that the thing I don't understand is like how does piss end up? It, it, when you first walk in, how is there piss there? Wait, like, in the men's toilet? Yeah, like, what the fuck? It, it's an interesting thing, this. is you know, Men designed toilets. Yes. And obviously went, that huge space is obviously too small for that tiny stream because we keep missing it. Yeah. So how's about we just create a function where all you've got to do is stand up and piss on a wall? Yes. And all they do when, they, when you've created that is they piss on the floor, you know, like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah. So what we come up with then was just lots of small tiles and a drain on the floor. So fine, <laughs> you know what, you win. You, the next thing you know, pisses on the floor, on the roof. Like, I don't know, people drinking their own piss and that sort of stuff. I mean, what do you do? Yeah, every town has a Todd Carney. That's right. It's, it's almost like anyone who's armed with a penis is just defying what, what system is put in place for you to extrapolate your urine from that's right we do whatever we want (laughs) (laughs) just everywhere oh man how do we get off track i don't know it's a common thing yeah people needed that i think at the end of the week they need to hear us talk about urinals they probably do so um yeah thanks everyone for listening tell your friends to follow us tell your friends to subscribe Leave uh, likes, comments on all the outlets. Give us a review. Um, follow us on Spotify. We'd like to get a few more followers on Spotify now that Neil Young's gone. Um, and so, yeah, just hey, uh, Neil, Neil Young's gone. What happened there? Oh, uh, Neil Young. You know how Joe Rogan signed a hundred million dollar deal with Spotify? Yeah. And uh, he's had all of these doctors and stuff on his podcast. And some people don't like what some of these doctors have said. And so Neil Young said to Spotify, they have to choose between Neil Young and Joe Rogan's podcast. And so Spotify chose Joe Rogan's podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, they spent a million dollars or a hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, we, we similarly went to Spotify and said, listen, if you get rid of Joe Rogan, we're gone. So they kept Joe Rogan. So. Let's be honest, that was the casting vote in this whole thing. I like to think so. I'm certain I, it is. I know when I um I got an email back from the Spotify offices and they had I mean they had the closing hours and said that they'll reply to us if need be, but still I I count that as a reply, you know. But and they got the I main mean, they got the message. I was gonna say too. They replied damn fast too. Oh yeah, immediately. Almost immediately. Like they knew as soon as they saw League Freak, they went, We need to be on this shit right now. Yeah, and it was some uh it was a French person, uh automated massage. So um yeah. Uh, he he's a good bloke. I've I've yeah. seen some of his work before. Yeah. I get a lot of emails from automated massage. Yeah. No, he's very good. He's very good. Um, so yeah, that, that was good. We we've got a bit of sway in the Spotify community. So yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. yeah. we're important. We don't want to go on about it, but we're pretty kind of, of big deals. We're kind of a big deal, yeah. Well, yeah, we are the big deal. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't but, for us, Spotify wouldn't have 
the size and volume that it does in order to offer people like Joe Rogan $100 million a year. Exactly. We bring in the, the names and the money. Yeah. Maybe one day Spotify can give us some of that fucking money. That would be nice. No, they can keep it. They need it more than we do. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this sucker up. Let's put it to bed. Yeah. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I've already given you all the links to follow us on, so, you know, rewind and listen to that shit. I'm not going to say it again. Who's um, <laughs> <laughs> lazy here? Um, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be talking a bit more regularly from this point on. So um, make sure you keep your eyeballs peeled because we're going to be putting up some more podcasts very soon. Enjoy. Hooroo.